Welcome to another episode of Teaching Canada's History. I'm your host, Brooke Campbell, and in this special educator series, we're speaking with the finalists for the 2019 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history and is an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to interpret and share the stories of the past. Today we have with us three wonderful teachers. We have Leanne Young, a high school teacher in Orillia, Ontario, Jean Moyer, a grades three to seven teacher in Langley, BC, and David Bryan, a teacher with the Overseas Chinese Academy of Suzhou. Thank you all for joining me today and for sharing the fantastic work you were doing in the classroom. Before we discuss your projects, can you all introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about the classrooms you teach in? Hi, my name is Leanne Young. Um, I've been teaching for 21 years. I'm currently teaching at Aurelia Secondary School, which is a smaller school, just over a thousand students. Um, and uh, the project that I have submitted is an Indigenous action project for the grade 10 history program. Hi, uh, my name is David Bryan. Uh, I'm currently teaching in Suzhou, China, where I moved to last year with my wife and son. Uh, the project that, uh, it, that I submitted is called The Lost Cemeteries of Essex County. And I did that with a group of students at the uh, Academy St. Cecile. And it was a joint project between a regional geography course, grade 11, and the grade 12 history course. Hi, I'm Jean Moyer. Um, last year I taught a 4-5 split. Uh, for 15 years I specialized in teaching struggling learners in three grade splits. I've been teaching for over 25 years uh, in Langley and um, my project uh, began with uh, writing a module called the Gladys module about a young girl who died in residential school. Since the module, I've been really focusing on uh, getting social justice initiatives to push reconciliation forward. That's great. Why don't you all share a little bit more about the inspiration behind your projects and what your students and your classrooms actually did with these, with these different uh, works? The Indigenous Action Project uh, that my grade 10 class uh, works on each semester really grew out of the 2018 new curriculum, revised curriculum that came out in Ontario. As a white female teacher, it's really hard to have an authentic voice uh, to really sort of honor some of the Indigenous issues. And so I was looking for different ways uh, to bring Indigenous issues and and um, stories from various communities into our classroom while trying to cover some of the new curriculum expectations. So using the inquiry-based model, um, this became a real student-driven and school-wide community project. Um, each project that we design is a little bit different uh, based on students' interests and needs. And really the idea of student voice uh, was the center of our project. Um, it's really important that students sort of connect with what they are learning. And through the Indigenous Action Project, students studied everything from residential schools to the water crisis in northern communities uh, to local issues um, regarding monuments in our own Aurelian community. 
and put their learning into action. Uh, the primary purpose was for them to go out into the community or connect with politicians, um, activists group, to see how they can make a difference and connect with the calls to action in their pathway of, towards reconciliation. The project that uh, we came up with at our school, the Law Cemeteries of Texas County, came from, uh, the idea came from two different uh, uh, places. I am both on the CBC radio. It was Black History Month uh, during uh, that time and lots of different interviews. And of course, Essex County was at the crossroads of the of the uh, Underground Railroad. And so lots of talk about this and, and the fact that many of them have settled in, uh, into Essex County, Chatham, Kent as well. And that if you wanted to uh, learn more about it, there's a museum in Amherstburg that uh, uh, focuses on uh, this history, but also looking at cemeteries within the the county. But most of the cemeteries have been forgotten, and and uh, with very little uh, uh, care. And and uh, so that idea came into into my mind. And then another story on the CBC that a, a Fleming College, uh, some teachers there, professors were working on digitizing graveyards. And so uh, uh, we put the two together, contacted both, and we came up with this idea, uh, myself and uh, my co-teacher, the history teacher, Steve Punga, about going out and doing research on these cemeteries and, and looking at the stones and, 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 and recording their location using GIS technologies. And similar to what you were just saying, uh, in your own um, uh, um, a project, it, it's Leanne, no, um, yeah, sorry, is that we want to give students experience because history sometimes is a, is a tough sell and especially a, yeah. a, a history which has little connection to the children today. So we thought, well, let's get outside and this history is all around us. And <clears throat> so that, that was the beginning of it. And it was uh, quite challenging because we had to contact uh, many, many different stakeholders from uh, the cemeteries and the churches that are still uh, connected and some not. Some of these cemeteries are in farmer's fields. Uh, and in addition, we wanted to work with the uh, uh, County Council of Essex because we needed a place to host this digital map. And so then there was that side of it too, where the students had to put a proposal to the town council. So there were many, many layers of learning opportunities and all involving really the, the, the history of our particular region. My, I guess to start with the inspiration was um, working with some other Indigenous teachers who asked me to help them develop the Gladys module. And, and Gladys is actually the aunt of the two women that approached me. And we created the module so that it would be, again, BC has a new curriculum too. It's all land place-based, uh, inquiry, um, project-driven, as well as a huge uh, Indigenous. Um, they want it embedded in all of the curriculum, which has been quite challenging, as I'm sure it is in most. But the, the Gladys module we created so that it was a, a personal journey for the kids. They could connect to Gladys as a person, and we made it kind of like a... Um, uh, a mystery for them that they had to figure out why she was important for them to learn about. It's also very local. She was from the Ingla Katma Nation up near um, Hope in a, called Spasm now. 
Um, so it was a amazingly empowering study for the kids because everything was primary resources. They could see pictures of her family. Um, we brought in all kinds of um, real life artifacts and hands-on activities for the kids. So they learned about the life, the traditional ways of life, which I thought was really important so that they're not just focusing on the the, the history of reconciliation, uh, sorry, residential schools. So they learned about that. They learned about the residential schools, and then they discovered that Gladys had died at the age of 12 in residential school. Um, from that, they started learning about people like Peter Bryce, who was a hero back in the time and didn't get heard. And the module, I'm, I'm giving a really quick um, overview here, but it ends on a a call to action. So since we've done the module and worked with my kids on that, it's become, okay, what are you going to do now to work towards reconciliation? So because they're elementary kids, um, it needed to be very hands-on and very personal. So we took some of the um, Aboriginal events like Orange Shirt Day, Have a Heart Day, Jordan's principal, and I created booklets that are on the BCTF website so that all teachers in BC can use them. But I just love working with the kids because then the kids lead these um, initiatives in the school. They educate everybody. They put up the posters. We, we do events. And I've just found it to be remarkably empowering, as I'm sure you have, that the kids are really connecting to history, making it their own, and wanting to be part of the change in history in the future. Yeah, all of these projects seem to contribute to a truly deep level of learning among your students. And I'm curious how you work to create and promote these authentic learning experience, experiences, such as these, these projects that you guys are doing. I believe... Um... When students are connected to an issue, um, it becomes personal. And the lens that we look at history from is very personal. Um, what I found with the Indigenous Action Project is that students take an ownership over their work. Um, the work in their community, the work in their school. Uh, we had one project in particular um, that created these beads for reconciliation. Um, kids just made bracelets and uh, had put um, them in a little box that had the name of a residential school survivor, um, sold these bracelets and donated money. Um, another project uh, that the students designed was a water walk um, in our class, went down um, about three kilometers from our school. We have Lake Kuchiching. Uh, they did a lesson right down at the lake and then each student filled a bucket of water and walked uphill back to our school just to see some of the realities um, of what some of the Indigenous communities deal with um, in terms of their lack of access to clean water. So the feedback from students is that by doing something, having that, as you said, authentic learning experience, um, the lessons stay with them. And my goal and my message to my students in designing their own project was do something that you can pass on to somebody else. That is part of our role in reconciliation is education. And if you can learn something that you did not know beforehand 
and then tell somebody else about it, who then tell somebody else, we are doing a better job. And getting, driving that message home that, you know, we don't want history to repeat itself. Um, I think in, in moving forward, especially within Indigenous issues um, and towards reconciliation, we need to learn how we can do better. And that is what, through these action projects, students are learning to do. Uh, I had a very different situation, and I should have full disclosure here. I'm not a history teacher. I'm a geography teacher, um, and I collaborated with a history teacher. But uh, in a lot of my work over the years um, of teaching, I like to uh, uh, dabble into projects of historical geography. So the, the group of students that I was teaching at our school in Academy St. Cecile in Windsor, uh, most of the students at the school are boarders from overseas. And the group of kids that I worked with, uh, seven students, they're actually all from either China or Hong Kong. So trying to make a connection to get them excited about uh, a historical project uh, within the county of Essex was uh, a real challenge. But based on my own uh, previous years of experience of getting students involved, I thought, well, one of the best things to do is get them outside. And we went and visited uh, several of these small cemeteries. And in Chinese culture, um, the uh, ancestral worship is very important to their own culture. So they could really appreciate it. And they were quite shocked to see the state of repair in some of these uh, cemeteries. And in fact, in China, uh, they have two holidays a year that it has to do with cleaning the graves and ancestral worship. So uh, th by having that connection and their appreciation, uh, then the, the next step was saying that what the project that we were going to work on was a community outreach that was going to have lasting benefit. And so they started to get their teeth into it. And the more they, they researched and, 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 and went out in the field and, and identifying the different tombstones and, and researching the different individuals where they could find information on, um, that they started to enjoy it, wanted to dig more. And then when they realized that the project, they had to talk with the uh, town councillors and uh, meet people there. So it really spun out into many, many different uh, uh, um, learning opportunities, as I said originally. And I think once students realize it's not just a, uh, an ivory tower project, this is just an academic exercise, but this had real value to the community, then regardless whether it was their own ancestors or not, they really appreciated and, and jumped into it in, in, in all ways. I, being an elementary teacher too, I'm a generalist, of course, but with the um, Aboriginal education, I would say that it's probably, oh, way more than 50% of my teaching. So my language arts, um, science, social studies, uh, which is one of the things I love about the Indigenous education piece. Um, and before I forget to mention it, one of my favorite things to learn are the Aboriginal stories. So when people, there's a big, uh, I don't know, going around here in education right now about being authentic, being authentic. And, you know, I think basically if you're using stories that are written by Aboriginal people and hopefully published by Aboriginal people, that is one of the my favorite and most powerful ways of teaching with younger children, for sure, is to tell their stories through their stories and look at the Aboriginal ways of knowing and being, um, residential schools, um, 
really powerful. And the other thing, like with young kids, I have found this whole topic um, is the kids are just so hardwired with their sense of fairness. So as soon as, well, I probably started this 10 or 12 years ago. And as soon as we started talking about some of the things that had happened, you know, the kids are just so genuinely outraged and um, they take this information, they are taking it home and they're educating their parents and they love the fact that their their challenge is to change the world and make it a better place. So through the initiatives, um, two of my favorite things were the um, the booklets I made, or used children's stories, but what the kids ended up doing was learning about, say, Jordan's principle um, or have a heart day. And then they, they educated the school, they learned about it, and then they wrote letters to the prime minister and to their local MLA, uh, asking them to make change and, and be fair. Um, the first time we did it was a school-wide one. We sent 450 loonies to the prime minister's office, asking him to use the money to make things better for Aboriginal children. They all got sent back, unfortunately, but the idea was a good one. So as, as both of you were saying, that the kids get a chance to feel that their voices are being heard and they're making a difference is awesome. Yeah, I think it's great that despite teaching different grades and different subjects in different provinces or cities, you all are really able to make those connections for your students and to make it really relevant. And another foundational aspect that I pick up when you're discussing your projects is collaboration. And I think it's happening at all levels, not just among the students, but also between you and other professionals. And it's also happening at all the stages of the project from the development to the implementation. You're talking about bringing in experts or members of the community to come into your classrooms, share their knowledge, share their experiences. And I would love if you could speak to the importance of collaboration to your teaching practice and in your classrooms. One of the most valuable resources uh, that I have used within this project is definitely our Indigenous education team at uh, Simcoe County District School Board. Um, introducing this topic to the grade 10 students, uh, we do the Curios Blanket Activity to give sort of an overview of um, the journey Indigenous people in Canada have endured Um and uh, our education team is excellent in coming in and administering that. Uh, we also have some Indigenous experts to give context, uh, come into our classroom. Uh, we just had an Indigenous elder come in to talk to our group about the Williams Treaty um, and some of the settlement that goes along with, uh, with that that just happened within our own community. Um, one of the projects that the students have done uh, last semester was in our own town um, at Lake Kuchiching Beach. We have had this monument, uh, the Champlain Monument, uh, honoring Samuel de Champlain. And it's been a bit of a controversy. Parks Canada took it down uh, two years ago to uh, refurbish it. And uh, one semester, one group wanted to challenge Parks Canada and the city of Orillia as to what needs to change with this monument. The monument had um, the Indigenous Wendat people kneeling at the base of Champlain's feet and the Christian missionaries. And so the narrative um, 
my students felt the narrative needed to change uh, as part of our commitment to reconciliation. So they went and they contacted Parks Canada. They went in and sat on a city council meeting in which this um, subject was addressed. They worked with our local media and uh, through, it was a group of five students that this was their action project. Um, Still, Almost two years later, uh, these students are still engaged in the um, debate with our city council uh, and our community as to what the end result is going to be about returning the statue either as is or with some changes. So it's that active citizenship um, part that I really, really feel is so valuable um, with it with this project and so collaborating on so many different levels uh, with experts and within our own community uh, makes this project uh, special in my mind. Yeah, I'm uh, for my project, uh, which spanned about two and a half months, three months uh, from its inception to completion, there's just so many people involved and uh, who this, whom the students had to meet, contact, and it was very interesting because as I mentioned earlier, uh, there are students who are using English as a second language, so they're really pushed to uh, um, uh, use their language skills. But the, what I found really neat in, uh, in terms of collaboration and, and outreach is the idea of, of using cemeteries as a uh, primary resource goes back to my own history teacher when I went to Harrow High School, which is in Essex County, uh, back in the 70s. And his name is Gerald Pouget. And, uh, and I should have mentioned earlier, you know, the idea of this project, I said it was two things that I heard on the CBC News, but really goes back to Gerald Pouget in my history class in the 70s, where he would take us out and we would go and look at different tombstones and try and understand the, uh, the settlement history of Essex County. So with that in, in uh, uh, my mind, I actually reached out to him, ha- having been overseas for many, many years, and uh, he was still so alive, he's in his 80s, and uh, uh, I talked to him about this project, and we met up, and he was fully supportive of it. And from there, other names came through. Elsie Harding-Davis, who's a, uh, a very important person for the uh, voice of the black community here in Essex County, the Town Council of Essex, uh, Fleming College in their uh, use of GIS technologies, which is something that we use in geography. Uh, the the GIS technology, which is uh, the background of it, is a company called ESRI from San Diego or, or San Francisco, but they have an office in Toronto and they supported us here as well, uh, and, and including CBC uh, that uh, came out and, and worked with us because they did some reporting on it as well. And, and probably should go right back to the very beginning with Steve Punga, my uh, colleague, uh, fellow uh, teacher at my school, and wanted to see, does history, uh, is this a, a valid project to work on? And he said, of course, and, and that's where we began. And so it's just great to expose the students to this opportunity where you're meeting so many people in the community. And it's really, it's a snapshot of what you know, our, our world is like to get things done. You have to work with multiple uh, different uh, people and to get things done, the kids got a real taste of that in this project. In terms of the collaboration piece, I would really want to just um, honor and, and thank Gail and Janet Stromquist who shared and their family too, their family agreed that uh, 
they were fine with um, us sharing the story and me being a part of writing it um, because it, it's their history and it's a local history of people who were willing to share um, to help other people, really. And along the way, I've met many Aboriginal people who are giving so much of themselves and reliving things that are so uncomfortable and so painful for them. And they're doing it for, for the sake of bettering things for their own people and for the rest of us. So I really want to honor that because I've met many, many people who have done that. And I know one of the issues we're dealing with now is how the burnout um, for Aboriginal, for the elders and the, the support workers and the people, they're finding that they're um, overwhelmed with it. So that's another thing we're trying to do is find ways to lighten the load of the Aboriginal people. So again, all the amazing support workers, Langley, um, we're lucky most of our schools, well, pretty much all of them have an Aboriginal support worker in the schools who helps collaborate and do projects and all those um, different incentives and initiatives. Um, and I think um, one of the, the things in terms of collaboration for me that's become really important is we still have um, quite a lot of resistance um, amongst educators, amongst schools, amongst communities, a resistance to um, kind of getting on board and embracing the education and teaching it. And there's a lot of kind of, I, I think, cop-outs, you know, it's not my story to tell, so why should I tell it? Or I'm not comfortable telling it because I'm not Aboriginal. Um, and so for me, my collaboration when I'm in a school is to try to do that piece with the teachers within the school and the community is if I can provide them with, with knowledge and collaboration that will help them feel more comfortable, I think that, for me, personally, has become a huge push. Gina, you bring up an excellent point of um, teachers being nervous about teaching this and it not being their story. Um, and I think your project uh, speaks volumes um, about how we can help each other um, whether it's through elementary um, or secondary teachers. I know in my history and geography department, it's fearful and, and not having the resources um, to create that, that authentic voice or that authentic piece um, within Indigenous education. Uh, one thing that mm -hmm. uh, my students were doing within this project too was going into the elementary schools and sharing their work there. So bridging that secondary and elementary um, component uh, to bring an awareness and and to allow elementary teachers to know that mm. um, this work is being done in, in our high schools as well and we're continuing their wonderful work um, at our in our community as well. I just think that is so huge, you know, and that sort of tells us the work that we've been doing, Leanne, over the last whatever number of years is, you know, 10 years ago, our elementary kids knew nothing. And now, you know, we're we're starting in elementary school as young as kindergarten and our children like we are making change like we're making amazing positive wonderful changes it feels really slow sometimes but our kids in elementary are learning and then they're coming up to high school and having wonderful teachers like you kind of taking and then helping them broaden um not just their knowledge but what they can do to make a difference so yeah i think it's amazing it really is incredible. I, I have to reiterate that that statement as well. I 
I love that all of your projects inspire your students to go out and actually do history and to take action. You don't see that all the time. And I wonder what you guys think that that really does for your students and does for your communities at large. I think going and making that connection, um, it brings history to life. It allows students um, to get outside the walls of the classroom, outside of their textbooks, um, and talk to people. History for me is always about telling a story, and but it needs to be told through various lenses. And um, through the Indigenous Action Project, uh, students get an opportunity to look at communities in a very different way. Um, I had one group connect with uh, Christian Island, an Anishinaabe group uh, community, and they talked about the importance of sport. And so they collected gently used sports equipment, uh, primarily hockey equipment, um, and had it delivered to the elementary school on Christian Island um, in trying to promote sort of sports heroes and, and Skyped in with the class. And this was all student driven. And so uh, the more we can get our kids out into the community, um, connecting with other people uh, that might not go to the same school or even in the same region, um, it gives them a sense of awareness uh, of what life is like in other parts of our province or our country. Um, and, and to look at their own sort of educational journey um, as well. Yeah, uh, for myself, um, uh, I mentioned earlier that I've been teaching overseas and I've been teaching in the in International Baccalaureate Program, uh, the Middle Years Program. And that's when I'm now back into teaching in um, uh, Suzhou. And there's a requirement within the program to have contextual teaching and learning taking place. So what, what we're learning about in the classroom, what the kids are learning about and what we're teaching about has to have real connections and to go beyond that and to get into the community. And we call it uh, service and action teaching. And so there's this element that our teaching must go outside the classroom and make connections. So there's real value. And then it's what you're really doing is you're inviting the community back into your classroom uh, in the same token. And so uh the, the you know the way students the opportunities that they have today very different than what uh we had when we were younger except for when i mentioned earlier my own history teacher in uh grade uh grade 10 11 in harrow where we every friday we all got in cars we went out into, into our community and looked at history in place so yeah the uh, to inspire get students uh, uh um um enjoying and, and actively wanting to do something is, is really the connecting up with the community. That's the and experience learning. That's the foundation of my teaching. I've just been, as I'm uh, listening to, to this, it's, it's reminded me, you know, back again. So, um, you know, I remember um, I actually started getting into the whole Indigenous piece because I had three Aboriginal children who had FASD and, and came from very, very difficult homes. And my challenge I felt was, you know, how do I, how do I um, teach these children and how do I help them uh, over, not overcome, but maybe learn to accept what happened to them and, and forgive what happened to them and, and hopefully go on. But when I started 
teaching all of this and I'd be talking about, um, you know, what had happened to Indigenous people and some of the stereotypes, I could see on my children's face that what I was telling them was not what they were hearing at home. Um, so it was very obvious to me at that time that those kids were obviously hearing a lot of racist and uncomplimentary and unkind comments at home because it was um, their faces would be looking kind of puzzled. And I'm just so thrilled and, and so proud and, and, and so um, pumped, I guess, about the fact that I don't see that on my kids' faces anymore. Instead, I'm seeing uh, this sense of, Yes, it was so wrong. We can't ever let it happen again. And they are they are absolutely like 99% of these kids totally committed to making things better and and making things right. And I think we all should be very very proud of that cuz I think Canada is changing. I think we're we're moving in a good good direction. And just to touch on something that you had said before, Brooke, um in terms of collaboration and the study of history, um all three of these projects um, mirror sort of not just about the content, but definitely those 21st century competencies and, and history is about making connections, but it's also about trying to develop those critical thinking skills and a sense of cultural awareness and empathy. And I agree with Jean, um, the narrative is changing, um, especially in terms of Indigenous education and the more and more awareness mm. that we have that Canada's got some dark moments in it. Uh, and how can we move forward uh, in learning the lessons from some of these dark mm -hmm. moments? I think it's, it's an empowering feeling for students to recognize and be agents of change. Mm -hmm. I think that is a perfect ending note to, to finish up this podcast. And what a great way to summarize the types of discussions we've been having today. So thank you. Thank you so much, David, Leanne, and Jean for joining us today and for sharing the wonderful work that you all are doing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Teaching Canada's History podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the Governor General's History Awards, or you want to nominate an amazing history teacher in your community, please visit us online at canadashistory.ca slash awards.